Hi everyone. Before we get started today, I want to talk to you about our newest partner, BetterHelp. Throughout my own grieving process, I have found therapy to be critical in getting me to the point where I am today, and I truly cannot imagine getting through this past year without it. Uh, a lot of the world is still in some sort of quarantine or phased opening, and BetterHelp is a perfect platform for accessing therapy during this time because you can do it from wherever you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist, and you can have your first session scheduled in as little as 24 hours, which is huge. I know for a lot of people, you hit a roadblock in starting therapy because there's a pressure to really find the right fit. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. It's really easy to change a counselor if you feel like you want a better fit. The therapist you're matched with is available weekly, but you can send messages anytime through the app and get responses between sessions, which makes such a big difference, especially when you are processing a loss. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and they also have financial aid available, which I love and is one of the reasons that I decided to partner with them. We have a special offer for the Grief Coach listeners where you'll get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash thegriefcoach. That's T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash The Grief Coach. You can join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. Investing in yourself is so important. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know how much I prioritize doing the work to get through the grief process and BetterHelp is a wonderful platform to leverage to do so. Go to trybetterhelp.com slash the grief coach to get started. Hi everyone, this is Brooke James. Welcome to the grief coach. If it is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you're here. And if you've listened before, Welcome back. You can find us online at thegriefcoach.co and on social at the underscore grief coach. I'm really excited today. We have with us Jonathan Asley, who is an author and dating and relationship coach, and he has also lost a child. So we're going to focus our conversation today around dating after loss. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Brooke. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think that dating after a loss is something that people who have been through a loss understand that it's like a weird and difficult and emotional thing, but people who maybe haven't experienced a loss haven't thought about that. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. If you could introduce yourself, talk about your grief experience, and then we'll get the conversation started. Sure. Well, thank you. So for those listening, I'm a dating and relationship coach. Um, my website is called Understand Men Now. I help women kind of navigate the dating landscape, particularly for when you're dating men over 40, because dating over 40 comes with some nuances. The vast majority of people who are single and looking for love that are in their you know, late 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s happen to be divorced. So 
I started a coaching practice helping women, you know, understand men. Mm-hmm. And and I've been very grateful. I've been very successful. I've been on ABC, NBC. I've been on the Katie Couric show, all that kind of stuff, you know. And what's interesting is that 18 months ago, or July, I should say July of 2018, <laughs> I said the word interesting, right? Interesting in the sense that my life got turned upside down. And as a parent, what I'm about to share with those who are parents, you know, is my, you know, what was I thought was going to be my greatest nightmare. And that was losing my 19 year old son to an accident. And for the 19 years before he passed away and the 22 before his brother, you know, when his brother was born, my, my, I would go to bed, you know, fearful that something would happen to one or both of my children and I would never recover from it. Mm-hmm. And when Connor passed away, two weeks later, I was at his funeral giving his eulogy. And I stopped in the middle and I paused and I turned to everyone and I said, I'm going to make a conscious choice to grieve with love right now. I'm going to grieve with love. And what that meant at that time for me was I always thought, you know, the loss of a child would be just endless suffering. You know, Mm -hmm. like in other words, my life wouldn't continue. I literally would want to put an end to my life if that happened. And I began leaning into the word love. I just kept leaning into the word love and and just really embracing the word love because I know that's what he would want for me. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. want me to suffer one bit. And so I said grieving with love. And what that did is it inspired me to write a book uh, literally two months after he passed away. I just started writing and I was already blogging about self-love in the dating realm. And Brooke, what's interesting is that in the dating realm, the number one emotional health issue people face in, you know, or let me reframe that dating triggers the number one emotional health issue. And what I mean to say is dating triggers are feelings of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not lovable. Dating can trigger all that if you had bad experiences. So I just felt so inspired to write a book about self-love. And so I began writing and nine months to the day after he passed, I published my second book called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? And it's a really simple journey to using, you know, personal development, self-help and spiritual work to really build our strength from our inside out. And for some people, the word self-love is very woo-woo or, you know, kind of be a turnoff. And so for those listening, I just want to say self-love means self-esteem, self-worth, self-reliance, self-confidence. That's what self-love means. So I created a book to help those on a journey to prepare them for, it's like a vaccination to emotional chaos. Because the reason why I didn't go down the rabbit hole of despair with my son was because I'd done so much personal development work the, the years and years and years before this happened. Mm-hmm. Another thing that was birthed after this was I launched a podcast. I have my own podcast called the What Would Love Do podcast. And why I'm sharing that with everybody is when we look at problems I'm here to encourage everyone to look at problems and issues in their life from the eyes of love. Like ask yourself, what would love do in this particular case? And so 
with grief and especially dating during, you know, dating someone who's lost, maybe it could be a parent, could be a child, could be another loved one, someone special in their life, maybe a sibling, is what would love do? And that's what I did at his eulogy. I said, what would love do right now? And I've adopted that my, to the best of my ability ever since. And I think that that's so, and there's so many places we could go because uh, you just said so many great things. But yeah, I know. I, I kind of rambled there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so good. And I think that, and I've talked about this um, previously on the podcast of like doing that self-care work is work. And it puts you in a better position when you're grieving or when hard things happen because you have put that work in. And I think you got to a place that is really difficult for a lot of people to get to because you had put that hard work in. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So you said self-care and why I wanted to um, respond to that because a lot of people... um, think of self-care as like, let me get a manicure, let me get a pedicure, let me get massages, that sort of thing. And those are all great because I think it's important that we take care of our physical body. Um, Personal development work, self-help work, spiritual work is emotional self-care. Yeah. And so I... And so I want to differentiate between physical self-care and emotional self-care. And as I said before, it's like a vaccination to chaos. Like it, it's giving yourself a, an injection of B vitamins, you know, mm-hmm. when one begins a daily practice. But it, and the word practice, right? You said work. It takes work. And yeah. you know, many people just want to go to a one-week seminar and go, la, I'm cured, I'm healed and everything. And no, <laughs> it's a daily practice. Yeah, yeah. And it is really like putting that work in to get to a place where you can like be resilient and after a loss. And I think that that's like so important that you said that. So if we can dive right in on dating after a loss. So you lost Connor about a little over a year and a half ago. I lost my dad. It's actually um, a year tomorrow. Oh my Um, God. Yeah. And thank you. So we are, you know, still kind of fresh as far as a lot of people would consider that to be a recent loss. Both of us are dating and have dated after losses. And I have like several anecdotes that I can give about my own life. I don't think that there's a good answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because maybe since you're an expert, you have a good answer of like, how do you know when you're ready to date after a loss? (laughs) Yeah, starting hard questions. And if like, I don't know if you ever are, you know? Well, the thing is the concept of ready is the real crux of that because I, everyone is capable of being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me differentiate between capable. In other words, we're all capable of being in a relationship, but are we ready to invest? In other words, give up a part of our freedom to potentially co-create with another person. Yeah. When I really mean give up our freedom, I'm going to reframe that and say, can we give up our ego and can we give up our fear? Mm-hmm. Because or let go of our ego and our fear, because that's oftentimes the real reason why most folks aren't ready is because they're stuck either in fear or they're stuck in unhealthy ego. Mm-hmm. But from a loss perspective, it's a whole different dynamic because there's right. a 
there's an element of a whole, if you will. You shared about your father, you know, coincidentally, I lost my mother six months before my son passed away. Oh, wow. So I had two back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. And from a dating perspective, well, let me, let me shift it from the word ready to mm-hmm. something a little different, is that a lot of people didn't know how to deal with me in the dating process. It wasn't so much my readiness. It was, I think it, the, the real challenge was someone else's readiness. In my particular case, my mother most likely was quite a bit older than your father. She was 88. So I figured, you know what? She lived a good life. We had a chance to say goodbye. There was closure. Mm-hmm. Um, with my son, it was an accident. You know, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. But from a dating perspective, most people feel awkward. And so everyone listening here, you know, we're all going to suffer loss. We're going to lose a parent. We're, God forbid we ever lose a child, but we're going to lose people we love. I think what bothered me most is a couple things. First off, and I don't know if you felt this way, Brooke, but I really didn't like it when people said, I'm sorry. Oh my God, I hate it. I have a whole episode about how much I hate when people say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I've come up with different language because I'll never forget one of my dearest friends, you know, it was about a month after Connor passed away. And, you know, I saw him on a weekend and he goes, Jonathan, there are no words. There's nothing I can say. He literally said, there are no words. You're in my prayers. Can I give you a hug? And I thought in that moment, nothing about that put me on I don't want to say the defensive, but put me in an awkward position to respond. He said, there are no words. In other words, there's really nothing we can say. And he's like, right. There was nothing he could say. And that made it easy for me because I didn't have to respond. You're in my prayers. What a powerful thing to say. Like, I think that's more powerful to say than I'm sorry, because sorry is an apology, whereas you're in my prayers is empowerment. Yeah. And then can I give you a hug? Right. And I think that the I'm sorry is, and people who've listened to multiple episodes have heard me say this before, but it's just like, yeah, me too. Like, (laughs) but I think that you're in my prayers or I'm thinking about you and your family. I'm sending you love. I'm here for you. Those are such better alternatives of of what to say to people. And in specifically like a dating context, I would be, because I think it is, I, I would agree with you. It's a really big, like, well, when can other people deal with you and will other people not be weird about it? And I'm dating online and it's so we're in the beginning of April. And so everyone I think is dating online because everyone <laughs> is in self-isolation. And I know that like you were talking to someone yesterday from match.com and I have a date from hinge, like a FaceTime date, but it's just like, where does it come up in small talk when you're talking to people and just, or how do you decide when to bring it up and to let someone see that side of you? Cause for me, when people are like, what do you do? I say like, I own my own business and I have a podcast and people say, what's so, your podcast about? And so it comes up early for me, but I'd be in yeah. a view of how often or how early do you bring it up? So that's a great question in your particular case, you know, because if you didn't have a podcast centered around grief, it would be like, you know, like there would be a timing issue. Whereas in my particular case, when people ask, oh, how many children do you have? And I always Mm -hmm. say, I have two children. I don't say one. Mm -hmm. And I say one lives with his mom and the other one lives in heaven. 
And -hmm. immediately when I say that, all all of a sudden there's the, you know, I I try to do a little prepare ahead of time by saying, I'm going to share something that's not going to be so good. Yeah. Um, Or sometimes I actually text a person before a first telephone call to prepare them. Because mm-hmm. I, I sometimes even say, hey, you know, before we speak, I just want to give you a heads up on something. Because that gives them a chance to process it versus in the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, while I don't judge anyone on how they navigate with me, if they're quick to dismiss, if they're quick to move the conversation away from that, I feel I get a little pissed off. <laughs> I'll be blunt. <laughs> You know, like, I'm not saying I want to go into my child, you know, the particulars, but it's that a lot of people, especially in my age demographic, where there's, I'm dating people that most likely have children, just the thought of death and the thought of their own child's loss, you know, puts them in fear. So they don't want to, the two things happen. A, they don't want to talk about it for fear of disrupting me, or their fear is by talking about it, it kind of invites it in their life. And I want someone to ask me questions. Tell me about your son. I'd like to hear about him. Like, yeah, that would actually, cause that actually goes, that makes me feel like he's still there with us because I know he is with me. It's just, he's not physically here. He's spiritually here. Yeah. And I think that's advice that people can take regardless of if you're meeting someone in a romantic context or otherwise of like, most people still want to talk about the person they lost and not always like some people are not doing the self work and they're like putting it in a box and like, they don't want to think about it. But a lot of people I feel like do want to tell stories, do want to talk about the person they lost. And that's a really nice thing, encouraging people to, instead of getting uncomfortable, but to ask tell me about this person that like you loved so much. That's a great way to pivot the conversation. So it's not sad and awkward because unfortunately people get awkward around this subject. Yeah. And I'd also encourage those, you know, not to spend too much time in that area. Um, you know, cause you don't want to make it all about the loss. No, there's also, the healing piece and there's the navigating grief. I, I, I worked with a woman who interesting enough had just started dating a man for one month and one month into the two of them dating, she lost her son, same age, coincidentally, same age as oh, mine wow. to an accident. Mm-hmm. And could you imagine you're the guy dating this woman and here she just lost a child and interesting enough, the way he handled it was so mag- – he was actually there the moment she heard it. So they were together when she heard about her son. And he navigated it so beautifully, and he is such a great support person to her. And 13 months after the child passed, he asked her to marry her on Valentine's Day. Aww. But he was just there to support her. And she was great, too, because you know what she did? She didn't make it about her son either, because she also leaned into wanting to get to know him. It wasn't one-sided. It wasn't all about him supporting her. It, he was there to fully lean in, but they leaned into each other. Yeah. Yeah. For both people to be able to get there, that's such a wonderful thing when that happens to lean yeah, into each other. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting that you text people before. I've never thought about doing that. And because real, like I just said, I'll say it pretty quickly. And 
what ends up happening is someone be like, oh, like, how come you decided to start that podcast? And I'll say, well, my dad died and no one knew how to talk about it. And so I wanted to make it. That's a great way, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) And people, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I say, thank you. And then I like move the conversation on. And it's been, and I went out on a date with someone and he was like, oh, wow. Like I lost my dad too. Like, that's really cool. You did that. And like, we had a little like moment about it, but oftentimes it just is something that comes up in a way and we kind of move past it, especially on a first date. And like, I'm 30, I'm in New York. And so I'm, I feel like at least in my group of friends, I'm on like the earlier cusp of people who have lost a parent in adulthood. And so it's just kind of interesting the way people react to it. But then I'm even thinking of like conversations I've had kind of recently on apps where someone was like, oh, well, what do your parent, we were talking about like, he had moved around a lot because his dad was in oil and gas. So he's like, oh, well, what do your parents do? And I was like, oh, they're in toys. Like, because, (laughs) which they, my dad was, my mom still is. And he made some comment, like a joke about meeting my parents. And I just kind of like let it go and like, didn't say anything. If we end up going on a date, like I would talk about it, but it's interesting of when it makes sense to bring up. Yeah. The challenge for us, those who have, you know, lost people and especially in that first two years is that there, I think there's, for some of us, we want to talk about it. We just want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's others that completely shut down. I, I have to be mindful not to want to talk about it too much. And, you know, there's kind of a dance between what's, you know, enough and too much. Because the dating process, it's about them getting to know you, but it's about me getting to know another person. All right. So there's a delicate dance. And what I think is most important, what I'm looking for, is their empathy. And, you know, a lot of people will give you sympathy, but empathy is that, you know, can I give you a hug? You know, you're in my prayers. You know, it's beyond just the, I'm sorry is the sympathy, Mm-hmm. Someone who wants to give you a hug, that's empathy. I right. mean, at least in my book anyway. Um, yeah. So are and, there any like red flags that you've experienced or like someone who reacted in a way that you were just like, oh God, we're not going to go out again after you sh- had shared? Yeah. You know what? I actually briefly dated a woman for about three weeks. And, you know, when I shared with her, it was hard to tell, but I mean, each time I kept bringing him up just subtly in a conversation. And what happened was it was right at the time of his birthday. So I was, his birthday and his day of passing were only a month apart. So I had two big milestones to deal with. And Mm -hmm. I could tell she would freeze anytime I talked about him because it would trigger her own feelings about her own children. And I just recognize that while she's a beautiful person, it was going to be challenging because she just did not want to hear about it. I mean, she almost literally said the words without saying it. I'd prefer you not talk about them. And that to me was a deal breaker. I mean, she didn't say that, but it was, it was like, it was like the energy was there without saying the words. That was a deal breaker for me. And you know, and I, I told her, I just, you know, didn't feel like we were in alignment. That's what I always say. I just, I don't say, I say the words, I don't feel like we're in alignment. 
And I, uh, I say I don't think we're a match. Yeah. Someone. <laughs> so. Uh, wow. I think I haven't had that, but I think if someone said that to me or like gave off that vibe, I would just be like, There's, this is not going to work. Here's the challenge, though. I'm going to share with you the difference between men and women. So here's an understand men now moment. Love women, it. <laughs> women, because they're actually, you know, women are the ones who give birth. There's an element of there's a little more empathetic compassion that women have more so than men. And, and when I say this isn't an absolute, I'm just saying they, there's just a higher propensity for it. And men oftentimes struggle on how to navigate death. So especially at your age bracket, they may not have the words, but it doesn't mean that they don't have the empathy. So some just may not know how to respond, but it doesn't mean that they don't care. Yeah. But you pick up a vibe and like, that's so much of what dating is. Of yeah. Like, is this a vibe that works for me? Cause especially in a first date, like you're not necessarily going to bear your whole soul, but you can pick up a vibe of like, well, do I want to keep seeing this person or would I be interested in seeing them again? Yeah. And it's an overall thing. And, and, you know, and you know, the fact is that death is a part of life, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's not the, you know, our loss, your loss, my loss isn't the crux of the relationship. But ideally, I think what we're both seeking is just a bit of empathy, a bit of love, a bit of hugs, you know, just a hug. Can I just give you a hug? Even, you know, you can say that energetically over the phone, like, you know, Brooke, I want to give you a hug right now. <laughs> right, right. The empathy thing is really key. And so it sounds like we've talked a little bit about, okay, well, what are things to say? And maybe you may have examples based on your coaching, but around the anniversaries around, because like my dad's is tomorrow. So that's why I'm thinking about this. Yeah, um, I can only imagine. <laughs> but like of how to support someone you maybe are dating and like what would be appropriate to do or like what is something that you would want someone to do? Yeah, this is always a tough one because when, and I know this happened for you, but so many people say, I'm here for you. What do you need? I'm here for you. What do you need? And, mm -hmm. and I know I had a hard time just even asking for anything. And, and I really don't know what I need. I certainly appreciated anyone who would say, you know, can I support you? You know, I'm here mm -hmm. for you. I need you. I recognize that rarely do, at least I haven't asked. And I think, you know, most people have a hard time asking for help anyway. But just to say, I'm here for you. I have your back. I support you. What can I, you know, if there's anything I could do to support you, please let me know. Those at least feel like there's care there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the milestones are the toughest, the birthdays, the date of loss, Christmas. Oh, my God, that's and you just experienced that with four months ago with Christmas. Those those times of the year, you know, oh, my God, Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's sometimes just watching a movie and something happens and uh, or there's a reminder of a song that comes on. There's so many different ways that we get triggered. And. Sometimes I just say, hey, I'm feeling emotional right now. I'm having a Connor moment. And, you know, my friends just say, I'm just going to give you a hug. Like, mm -hmm. And 
I don't shy away from hugs. Some people do. So <laughs> I don't like give me a ton and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel too. I love hugs. And I've been joking with my friends as soon as quarantine is over, I'm going to hug like everyone I know. <laughs> like I can't wait. Well, I give virtual hugs for now. Yeah, no, that's all we can do. Right. So to pivot back on what are some of the things that people can do? And I know we talked about like, okay, well, how do you find someone who is ready to date all of you, which includes that you have experienced a loss, but what are some things that people can do from like that self-care, that self-work to like build that resilience back up? to be able to be in our relationship. Cause like, I know for me, right. Like the summer afterwards, I was yeah. not trying to go on dates and it didn't really happen until the fall. But yeah. have you thought about that at all? Or do you have any advice for, well, I have a couple different takes on this, you know, for some people going to support groups can be very beneficial. I found that support groups actually, there's a lot of energy in a support group. That's very down. you've got a room full of people that are dealing with loss. And so for me, that didn't resonate with me. I think in some cases, support groups can just perpetuate the pain. Now, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying in all cases, but it just felt that way for me. Certainly, spending time with loved ones made a big difference. I, when I wrote my book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? Mm -hmm. And as I shared earlier, the work I did before the loss made the big difference. And that included reading books like The Untethered Soul, Michael Singer, Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, and and doing a variety of workshops and watching Wayne Dyer videos and listening to Abraham Hicks CDs. And I'm just giving you a litany of different things that I'm into. Certainly doing it before loss helps, but if you're in the midst of it, I'm a huge proponent of like I, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, personal development, self-help and spiritual work. And, and whether it's 15 minutes a day or an hour a day, you know, I think investing in one's own self, you know, love, if you will, I mean, going back to my book, self-love, yeah. uh, investing in oneself is a lot better than watching an episode of the Kardashians or scrolling through Instagram for an hour. <laughs> so, what would be ways to do that? Well, buy, the, buy books, watch videos, yeah. listen to CDs, maybe go to a workshop once a quarter. Mm-hmm. There's a variety of different things. Yoga, meditations. You know, many people have a daily meditation practice that can last. It doesn't have to be more than five minutes going out into nature and walking and just connecting with, you know, Mother Earth, if you will, whether I live at the ocean, some people live in the mountains, some live by parks. Some live in lakes. New York, so we go well, to but, parks. Yeah, but you have Central Park right there. <laughs> right, right. It's beautiful there. So mm-hmm. all these little things, the challenge is the chatter in your head. And so the book Untethered Soul by Michael Singer is mm-hmm. brilliantly written to help one navigate the chatter in one's head. And so I highly, that is like, to me, the Bible of the best book that's ever been written Yeah. to, to nurture one's soul. And trust me, I, I, I make a promise. Anyone who's listening to this right now, if you buy the book and you didn't like it, 
send me a message and I'll give you, I'll pay you for that book. <laughs> you just have to mail <laughs> it to me. Um, it's that powerful of a book. I'm yeah. willing to make that, I'm willing to put my money on the line, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's like saying a lot. I know for me, like I do meditating, I be sure to like, I move my body every day and whether it's walking, whether it's working out, do like that's something that I feel a lot better when I do that, spending time outside in nature when possible. Since um, my dad died, had been like, trying to write and journal. And that is something that for so long, I really was reluctant to do, to like make time for it to sit down and do it. But you just sit down and you're like, I'm just going to start writing. And you can set a timer and be like, I'm just going to do five minutes. Like how often do we sit on Instagram for like hours? Like you have five (laughs) minutes. So to just sit and do it, that for me has been really helpful. I started going to therapy. That's been super helpful. So I like, I'm a big advocate for that. If people have access to it, I have heard a lot about that book. So I think I need to buy it and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I want to retract my offer. If they don't like the book, I'm not going to pay you back. I'll send you a copy of my book for free. <laughs> oh, perfect. No, <laughs> about I, think that. <laughs> I think that's better. That makes more sense. <laughs> so if you really didn't get value from that book, then I'd be surprised. Anyway, journaling is great. And what I do when I journal is I just email, I send myself emails. Oh, I like love that's that. How I jur- that's how I journal. I type it out in an email and then I email it to myself. <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. And you can do it like while you're walking on your phone. Also, is there anything else? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground and I really like, I love everything you're saying around the doing the work to be in a relationship, but also like finding someone who will lean into that. But is there anything else you think has struck you personally of your own experience about dating after a loss? What I've, my one thing that I recognize that I I, I got so much love from people when Mm -hmm. I shared publicly that my son passed away and there was just a barrage of love. (laughs) It makes me cry. I was just, you know, is that, you know, the, the love starts to slow down and gets less frequent, less frequent, less frequent. I am just very grateful for everyone who leans in, but I also recognize that death is a part of life. And when we can learn to, at least for me, appreciate every moment that is so precious and to be in relation, especially in relationship is to recognize that we are one car accident, one bit of cancer away from losing someone we love or even ourselves. It's just Mm -hmm. to, to really lean into gratitude every single day. We're in a pandemic right now. You know, I think there's still, even though there's chaos going on, there's a lot to be grateful for. And I find that gratitude is so powerful. I just encourage everyone to be in gratitude as much as they can every single day. Yeah. And I think once you shift your mindset to that, it is much easier to find it in more places. Exactly. You know what I mean? This morning it was pouring here in New York and I was talking to um, one of my clients and she's 
oh yeah, it's raining. It's like, right. But if it's raining, less people will go outside. And that means maybe like one day less of us being self-isolated. She was like, oh, that's a great way to think about it. I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I think once you get in the habit of practicing gratitude, and it sounds so cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. Like that once you get to that place, it's easier to do more often. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. I thought this was great. Do you want to tell people again where to find you online? Sure. Sure. Well, thank you, Brooke. I really appreciate it. And big hugs to you, especially tomorrow. So for those interested, I I have a YouTube channel called Jonathan Asley, and I shoot, for those who are dating, I shoot a lot. I shoot four videos a week for my channel about understanding men. I have my podcast, the What Would Love Do podcast on Apple and Google and Stitcher and all those good places. Uh, Certainly my website. And then my book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? You could just go to selflovethebook.com if you'd like to check it out, selflovethebook.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find us online at uh, www.thegriefcoach.co and on social at the underscore griefcoach. Thanks so much for listening.